You are listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Terry Riley titled Hierarchy of Kindness from the series Character Counts. For more info, check out creekside.org. So if you would take your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. We're looking today, we're in the second triad of the nine fruit of the Spirit. Today we're going to look at this delightful one called kindness. Kindness. Now in Colossians chapter 3, a powerful, powerful section. Um, I'm still reading it almost every day. And the first few verses talks about that, you know, you want to think like Christ, you want to be like Christ, then think on things that Christ thinks about, think on heavenly things. And that's really important because he says, set your minds on things that are above where Christ is. We go, well, how do you do that? I mean, it's like beam my mind up, God, so that I can um, uh, know how to think up there. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then you come to chapter 5, verses 5 through 11, and Paul, it's kind of almost like Galatians chapter 5, where he precursors, preambles the fruit of the Spirit with all these nasty, naughty, ugly things that come out of people's lives. And he talks about them there. But here he uses this analogy, and he says, put on and put off. Put on, put off. And then you come to chapter 3, verse 12, and he says, Therefore, God's chosen ones, holy and loved. That's you. That's me. We're chosen. We're holy. We're being set apart for God's purposes. We're, we're, we're loved. And he says this, Put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, and patience, that you would accept one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint uh, against you. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all else, put on love. And that phrase is important and touch base on that. Well, here's the deal. As you see, I'm dressed up today. Did you notice? I am wearing a suit. And, and that doesn't happen very often unless you come to other events at Creekside. Um, I think I do it once or twice a year. I always do it on Mother's Day, uh, and, and I did today for this reason. I had one of my mothers that always made me dress up for special events, always, always, always. And she just always wanted me to dress up, and I hated it. But I thought, you know, for, for that mother, I, I would do that and honor the mothers here because I oftentimes have ladies or people say, you know, hey, man, how come you don't ever dress up? How come you never wear a suit? How come you never look like a real pastor? And... Um, <laughs> And I says, well, I don't know that I really am sometimes. And I, so on Mother's Day, I said, okay, here's my day just to say I want to honor moms. And, 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 and man, I feel like a preacher today. And uh, it feels kind of good. Um, the problem is, is, man, first service, whoa, whoa. I don't know if it was intimidating, but, man, they wouldn't engage. So if I'm scaring you, I'm really sorry. Same guy, just different clothes. But here's the second reason. In, in, in Colossians 3... Probably just a bad talk, but we'll move on. Um, but, but, but in Colossians 3, he says, put on and put off, put off, put on. And this is the idea that he's saying. He says, you know all these bad things, I want you to take those off. It's like a coat. It's like a dirty jacket. It's like an ugly jacket. Don't wear it. Don't wardrobe yourself in that, so take them off. And he says, because in the power of Christ and walking in God's spirit, you are able to do that. And then he says, but here, here. I want you to put on a new coat. I want you to put on nicer threads. 
I want you to wardrobe yourself in these other things. And what does he say? He says, I want you to wardrobe yourself in compassion and kindness, humility, forgiveness, because that's what Jesus is like. Now, I want to take one of these things, and today it's just going to be a full frontal challenge that we would put on this thing called kindness. And so I'm just going to kind of rock you a little bit and challenge you to, I'm going to talk to you about a hierarchy of kindness and what kindness really means in our lives. I've given you a, a bunch of scriptures, and those are only a few. And you can do some study on your own. But this kindness thing is really important biblically, and that God says, I want you to wear that wherever you go. I want it to be a part of who you are and what you do. Now, <clears throat> I want you to see I've got this pyramid up here. It's on your notes, and it's also on the screens. Did you note the levels here? You've got level one, two, and three. But you'll also see that this pyramid has some braces at the bottom, and there's a sad face. Why is that? Well, are you, how many of us have heard or read the bumper sticker, um, mean people suck? <laughs> how many would say amen to that? Yeah, it's, 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 it's really true. Now, some of you are here. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there are. I, I have no doubt. But, 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 you know, these people, some people live below the level of kindness. I mean, they don't, they don't even have a baseline for it. And, 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 and that's not good because these are the people that are quick to judge, criticize, cut with their words, and they, they, they bring this bad attitude to everything they, they come into. And it really spreads their junk all around, and it really becomes kind of toxic. And you know what the deal is for a lot of them? It's, it's, it's they just don't have a really strong, solid, good self-awareness to care for the people around them and to be kind to the people around them. See, some people's jerk factor is so high because they really do have this kindness deficit. Now, we laugh, but isn't you know I'm telling you the truth. You know there's just certain people you don't want to be around them. I mean, you can say anything. Anybody can say something, and they can be in a group... And it's amazing to me how they can read things into it, and they can begin to question it. And they don't just question it and say, hey, could you just clarify? But they come at it with this cynicism or this sarcasm, and they just let you know they don't like it. And it's amazing that, you know, and we kind of just dance around and put up with these people. Now, some revel in this, you know. Some wear it as a personal badge. I mean, it's like their constitutional right. It's like they cloak themselves in the American flag and say, I can say whatever I want, and I can say it however I want it. And then they kind of come off with this attitude, hey, if you don't like it, lump it. Take me or leave me. I've got freedom of speech. Well, yes, you do. But here's the deal. And I am convinced of this all my life. I love the Constitution of the United States. I love the flag. I love all that stuff. But here, never forget this, loved ones. We are of a higher kingdom than even these United States. Okay? And I love my country. But because I have the freedom of speech and the right to say whatever I want, it really doesn't mean that I should exercise that and do it in ways that really aren't biblical and God-honoring and people-building, right? And, and sometimes that's where we go. And, and, and these people, they just kind of like, oh, man, I can do whatever I want. I found this interesting about those people that really like to jerk it out. But woe to anybody who jerks on them. Have you ever noticed that? They become hypersensitive then. And they become really difficult to deal with. Now hear me, hear me, hear me. I am not talking about political correctness today, okay? 
I believe that there's an oversensitivity in, 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 a, in a lot of areas in that. What I am talking about is a civility that leads to sensitivity to others in a way that we speak and act and show kindness. It doesn't mean that you cannot speak without conviction. It does not mean you can't speak the truth with conviction, but it's how you do it. And it's the attitudes that you bring to your life and the kindness that you're still willing to embrace and show people. One of the scriptures that you'll see about God, it says he, he deals with people in his kindness and his sternness. It's part of the process. Because I know some of you say, well, you know, I know Jesus, man. He called a bunch of people a bunch of whitewashed tombs. And then he told them they were like snakes. So if Jesus can do it, why can't I? Well, you can. But do it in the right context, the same context that Jesus did it in. You know, where did Jesus do that? He did it when he was talking to highly religious people who were moving people away from the things of God because of their stupid religiosity. That's the only people Jesus ever verbally took on and attacked. Everybody else, there was this expression of kindness and love and goodness and grace that he spoke with and spoke to them. I remember when I was growing up, um, you know, I had these two jerk bosses, and they were, um, I, I, I hope this isn't politically incorrect, but uh, they, they were full-blooded Italians. <laughs> and their, their names were George LePipero Jr. and George LePipero Sr. They were short, stocky, and they would go from, in, they would go from normal to insane in less than a nanosecond. <laughs> And, and, and usually when they were around me, that's when it happened. I worked for them. It was a grocery store like Lucky's. And, 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 and they spoke in this fluent language that I thought was Italian, but somebody later told me, oh, no, 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 that's French. Um, but it was French, not literally, but French. You, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like Christmas story where they said that in the heat of the battle, they wove a tapestry of vicinities as far as we know that's still hanging over the little town of Damascus, Oregon today. And uh, because they would, I mean, it was just it roll off their tongues and they would see me if I was chewing gum when I shouldn't have been, they would go after me. They rode me like a horse. Now here's the deal. I mean, they were, they were abusive. But, but I knew this, behind it all, I knew that they really liked me because they always gave me the best hours, the best jobs, and, uh, and gave me these perks, jobs to be able to do. But I wouldn't recommend that because how many of us have people like that in our lives that are highly abusive and they, and they treat us or we've, we've grown up in that? I mean, it's like some people, they get up and they take this nasty pill every morning. You know what I mean? And it's like they, 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 they take it down. And not only is it a nasty pill, but now it's like these one of the 12-minute release, 12-hour uh, time release capsules. <laughs> it's like I got to stay nasty all day. That was my bosses. Now, these people, they live below this kindness line. And most of us have probably been around people like that. Maybe some of us are that way because you know what? We do things where we say we love our spouse that we've lived with for years, but we still say really mean and hurtful things to them. Maybe it's, you know, we're parents. We say we love our kids. We want to nurture them. But we're always berating them and we're mean to them and we don't nurture them and the things that we say, they're not helpful. See, these aren't safe people to be around, are they? And hear me. If they don't, if, if you, if they don't confront their jerk factor, they're going to do a lot of damage to their world. 
C.S. Lewis is a brilliant writer and Christian apologist. He noticed an interesting about people who spend their life below this line. He said, for those of us who are a little in, uh, who are a little lacking in kind, who have a little kindness in our lives, it's pretty easy for us to look at people with this unkindness streak in them and for us to feel superior. Guilty as charged. See, the question comes, what leads people to be so stinking unkind? What is it? Most of us know the old line. Hurt people. Hurt people. Yeah, say it again. Hurt people. Hurt people. And we have to remember that because Lewis notes, he says, see, we become challenged as, as, as people walking in the life of God's spirit to not only rise and live above this last line, but when we deal with people with this high jerk factor who eat nasty pills for vitamins, before we judge or feel too superior to them, we need to stop and say, what's the deal? Before we react, we should respond and say, what happened to them? Lewis notes that someone who claims to know Christ but may not have much of a kindness bone in their body, we, we, we don't know where they started their journey. Maybe they started with highly abusive parents. Maybe they had parents who were um, alcoholics. Maybe they had rageaholic parents. Maybe they had parents that were absent, that were never there. They never had nurturing. They never had somebody that cared for them. And so these hurt people, what do they do? They don't understand kindness. Fill in the blank with whatever it could be. See, as we understand that as Christ followers, we understand Jesus is calling us to a higher level of kindness and other character traits, aren't we, as we've been talking about, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. It isn't pick and choose, loved ones. It's every way. It's a full frontal assault on growing in Jesus and living out the life of his spirit. So these things become part of the tapestry, the mosaic of our heart, and they're lived out in our lives in such a powerful, unique way that we really do become very attractional to people. Let, let me say about this last level, if, if you're the one who may be there, there's no excuse to stay there if you know Christ. The Holy Spirit is powerfully at work in every one of us. And while there are reasons that we may be unkind and we want to be unkind and we want to feel the freedom to express our unkindness, you don't have that freedom anymore in Christ because he says, I want you to put on a coat of kindness. I want you to put on, I want you to wardrobe yourself in the kindness of God every day, wherever you go, whoever you're dealing with. God's spirit is powerfully at work in every one of us, loved ones. And some of us would want to say, well, that's just how God made me. Ah, God just wired. Well, he might have kind of wired you that way, or you might have been rewired because of your environment that you grew up in. But God says, I want to change you. And hear this. Hear this. There is a very supernatural spiritual element to all of these things coming into your life and being worked out. Love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. But there's also a very practical element that each one of us has to engage in as well. Scripture says in Philippians chapter 2, he says, work out your salvation that God has worked in. He, but Paul doesn't say work for your salvation. Don't work to come into relationship with God. But because you now have this relationship with God, he has given to you, uh, Peter says it this way, he's given to you, deposited everything in your life that has to do 
with life and godliness. But now he says, I want you to work out what Jesus and his spirit is working in. So there has to be this amalgamation of, of the spirit of God that begins to work in your spirit and you work with that spirit as well. So what's the, what's the first level? Well, this starts, the, the first pyramid level of kindness here is that we already, you've already made your decision. You're, you've determined that put to death and you're going to take off your, your jerk factor jacket. You're not going to be mean to people anymore. That's the first one. Now you get into this, this level one. And as people come to Christ, they come out of their old life. There is a learning curve to this. Sometimes we just expect people to flip a switch. Now, I've seen it happen. I've seen some really mean, dirty dogs become really nice puppies after, you know, very quickly after coming to Christ. But for some of us, we have to work through it. We have to grow in this. It's kind of like moving from being an apprentice to a journeyman. It's a process. And it even happens a lot of times in ministry. Sometimes we'll talk to pastors. They're just mean. They're just, they're, you know, they're nice up front, but they're trolls. You know, and you got to say, Here, here's the deal. Everybody loves you up front, but when you come off the platform, it's a whole different thing. I had a staff one time whom I loved deeply, and they were here for a number of years, and, and um, skilled and talented and gifted. But I had to sit them down one day and say, listen, this is what people are saying about you. They feel like whenever you're around, it's like, oh, walk on eggshells. It's like you're impatient. You're not happy. You're, you're mad, and you always have this mad countenance, and, and, and you just, you know, you don't talk to people, and they, you walk by them. And he looks at me, and he goes, you're just trying to make me like you. And I said, no, no. I said, shoot higher, man. Shoot higher, way higher. And I meant that, and I do. Don't. I'm not trying to make you like me, but, but we have a culture around here that's pretty friendly, it's pretty kind, it's pretty gracious. And I said, if you want to, if you want to live in that and you want to minister in that, you've got to change because the, the accentuation of the kindness that we already have and you're bringing to it, oh, it's going to really be hard for you. Well, the nice thing was is they took that self-awareness and they took it in and they began to change and it, and it really affected uh, their ministry and the ministry here in a very powerful and profound way. But that is so important at this level one that sometimes we have to have those kinds of talks to help people become a little bit more aware. Because hear me, loved ones, it takes awareness. And it takes a decision to move from each level of these places. You come to this place where you say, I'm not going to talk like I used to talk. I'm not going to treat people like I used to treat them. I'm going to become a gentler, kinder person. I don't lose my convictions. I don't lose my intensity. I don't lose my passion. But I'm just going to become kinder with the people around me. Now here, I want to, there's a new memory scripture this week. We change it every two weeks, okay? I hope some of you are doing it. I got people that are coming up to me after service and they say, hey, PT, I want to quote my scripture. Awesome. Why is this so important? Let me read you a note that I received uh, this week. PT, I wanted to say thank you for challenging us with memory verses. I had no idea what a crutch they would be in my life at this present time. Yes, a crutch. Something to lean on to hold me upright in the eyes of God. It seems as though my mind is wandering into territory it doesn't need to be in. But when I catch myself, I immediately start reciting a memory verse. Yeah, I've known a lot of the verses, but they've drifted out of my head. Thoughts can be dangerous things. 
It's like I'm gently floating down a river. I can't see the upcoming waterfall. I pray every day, many times, for God's protection of me and my mind to act in accordance with his will. Trust me, in my mind, I fall many times uh, over driving issues, work challenges, basic life. But it's very important that I can get this big thing right in his name for my life at this time. And the memory verses help me paddle safely to shore before I end up going over the waterfall. Your perfect timing, his perfect timing. I, I know that, man, you know, they say that preachers are supposed to be redundant. Repeat it so people get it. And I feel like I'm being really redundant in this series. But I want to come back to the Word. Because just that's the reason we're doing this Scripture memorization thing. Is because if you don't arm yourself with something spiritually, you can't fight a spiritual battle. And so many of us keep losing. We go two steps forward and three steps back because we're not doing it God's way. And part of the reason of establishing this arsenal in your mind is for this very reason that this person wrote me this week. See, we forget that it's not just ink on paper. It can be to someone who just reads it like a book. But when you are engaged with the living God, the Holy Christ, guess what? This becomes, it lifts from ink on paper because the Bible says that Jesus is alive. It's, he is the living word. So when we talked the first week that I gave my first talk on this, and I talked about abiding and remaining in Christ, and we talk about setting our mind on things that are above in heaven, how do you do that? God doesn't beam your mind up there for an hour and kind of infuse it with something. No, here it is. This is heaven right here. This is the expression of God's heart and the expression of God's heaven for every one of us. And if you want to be able to guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and do as this person, it really becomes how you receive and take in God's word. Now, that's pretty basic. But some of us continue to struggle because we won't start at the foundation. So I want to help you. This is your memory verse for this week. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God in Christ Jesus forgave you, Ephesians 4.32. So here's what I want you to do for this practical application of being a K1, kindness level one person. I want you to be rebooting your mind every day this week with this idea of kindness. So tomorrow morning when you get up or before you leave the house, I want you to say this to yourself. We're not going to do the whole part. We'll just do and be kind and compassionate to one another. Okay? Can you do that? See if you can do it with your eyes closed. And be kind and compassionate to one another. One, two, three. Say it. And be kind and compassionate to one another. So now sometime tomorrow before you leave for work, you're going to say this. It's Monday. There's going to be this lull and hangover after Mother's Day. Some of you are going to eat too much, celebrate too long, and love Mother too greatly. So here, you're going to get up tomorrow and go, I don't want to go to work, but you got to go to work. And you're going to be grouchy. And so... Say this with me. Let's practice for tomorrow. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Are you good at that? Good, good. Okay, now it's Tuesday. So now you've had all the troubles of Monday, and so now you're just a little bit grouchier. So you get up, and what are you going to do? Because you know you're going to see this coworker that was busting your chops on Monday. 
So now we're going to say this first before we go to work. Ah, Jesus. Let's say one, two, three. Be kind and compassionate to one another. It's Wednesday. You're getting up, and it's hump day. And you're thinking, oh, goodness, I'm not even halfway through, but it's Wednesday. So what are you going to do in the morning? You're going to go, be kind and compassionate to one another. It's Thursday. Who am I going to make it? The, work is, the, the, the week is picked up. Now you're three days removed from church. Are you going to make it? Yes, you are. Because you're going to get up and you say, Lord, this is the day that you have made. Oh, and I got this new verse. One, two, three. Be kind and compassionate to one another. So, Lord, when I see that person today that has jerk tendencies, I'm going to be kind to them. And I'm going to love doing it. Because I'm going to do it in your love. And now it's Friday. Yes, the end of the day. So now let's say it again. Get into the last day of the week. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Uh, let's take it a step further very quickly. I do this when I do with premarital counseling. I take them to the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, where it says love is patient, love is kind. Love does not keep track of evils. Love does not envy. And what I do is, is I have them read this through the week out loud to one another. Close your date this way. One night you'll say, just read it. Love is patient, love is kind. Next night, put the guy's name in there. Terry is patient, Terry is kind. Then the next night, put the girl's name in there. Sally is patient, Sally is kind. And then the next night, put Jesus' name in there so you never forget who it all comes from. Jesus is patient, Jesus is kind. So now, someday this week, maybe it's at lunch hour when you've had a really bad day, this is what you'll say. Terry, be kind and compassionate to one another. So let's do that. Let's close with this one. This is a practical application of how you can do it this week. One, two, three. Put your name in there. Terry, be kind and compassionate to one another. That's going to help you get from level one now to level two. So what's level two in this pyramid scheme? I mean scale. The, there's, 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 there's a more assertive level here. Because remember, level one was about damage control and changing where you've been. Now, level two is, is where you begin to see kindness as a lifestyle, that it's a better way to live in everything and every way you do. See, many never get to here. You know why? It's not because they're bad people. Many never get here because they don't have enough awareness of people around them who need kindness. They're kind to people in their relational orbit, and that's good enough. I don't need to be a cheer-gooder or a good cheer or whatever everywhere I go. I mean, I just, you know, keep a few people happy, keep myself happy, and that's good enough. But this level is where the Spirit reveals to you and begins to prompt you as Jesus grows you and matures you that you begin to embrace the mind of Christ to live out His thoughts, kind thoughts, loving thoughts, gracious thoughts, kind smiles, kind touch. Wise men in Proverbs said it this way, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Hear me, guys. Some of you guys are sitting in here now. You're thinking, wow, this is kind of, you know, it's a good thing this is Mother's Day, you know. This isn't feminine stuff. This is as masculine as it gets. As I said earlier, there's a big difference between sweet sea syrup being nice, but there is a power that comes infused when we bring kindness to our life. We're a man or a woman, but it's especially powerful when a man can walk into a room and infuse a room with the kindness of God because he's kind, because he's gracious, because he's loving. 
When you walk into a room, you can see somebody that's struggling. You can be aware of somebody that's hurting. And you can, and you can lift a spirit and you can breathe hope into somebody's life. It was last month. I was so moved by how this happened. I was, I was traveling to Cuba. And in my journal, I, I was in the Miami airport. This is what I wrote. I just titled it, The Joy of Kindness, yesterday, uh, March 10th, 2016, at Miami International Airport. Next day in my morning, as I uh, woke up in Cuba, I wrote, I was just buying a couple of things at the Miami airport, and I greeted the cashier, and I just smiled and asked her how her day was going. She almost broke down and said, better now, thank you for asking. She went on to say that I was the first, this was at about 2 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. She said, I was the first person that um, asked her how she was doing and the only person that reciprocated any kindness to her responses on that day. And she said, I felt like basically quitting today. And as we were talking, you could see the tears almost well up. And it hit me. It was so poignant. It was such a, a, a moment. I go, wow. All I said was, how are you doing today? And it opened up this whole conversation where I just said, listen, honey, never forget. Don't give up on this kindness thing. It is the universal language. And people will pick it up even if they don't return it right away. See, at this level K, you realize the power of kindness to come in and to diffuse a difficult situation. Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. You can bridge tensions. You can bridge racial tensions. When you go into a situation where there's people not getting along, you can bring your kindness. You can reduce people's fears and concerns. And when you do that, when you experience this feeling of doing this, there's something of power that takes place in your life where you say, I was used by God to bring his kindness to this situation. And you didn't have to go, oh, this is the kindness of God you're experiencing. But you know that God has come in to that situation. And what does that do? I love it because you know what it does? The more you do it, the more it fans these flames of kindness in your soul. And it makes you more aware of them wherever you go and whoever you see. See, my dad used to say to me, always work to be kinder to anyone than they are to you. That can be hard. Sometimes it can be hard because of the way people are. Sometimes it can be hard for, for me a lot of times because of the way people are so kind to me. Oh, yeah, man, I got some stinkers. I got some rascals that I got to deal with. But people are really kind to me. The Bible says, and I have found this to be so true in Galatians 6, says, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. See, loved ones, wherever you go tomorrow, when you wake up and you quote that scripture, you are going to plant seeds of kindness. You're going to put seeds of kindness wherever you go, whoever you touch. If you make a decision to do that, Proverbs eleven seventeen says this: that a kind man benefits himself. And that's and I go wow, 
I, I, maybe, is it possible that some of the kindness that I get expressed to me is because I try and work pretty hard, like my dad said, to be a kind person? Let, let me just tell you a couple of weeks here. And this doesn't happen all, like this isn't my life, and I don't know why God did this, maybe so I could brag on this, but um, because this isn't common, but just in this last two weeks, this is what's happened to me. I just received the kindest, most encouraging email from a staff member that I've ever received. It's in my journal now. I can't believe somebody would say something that nice to me. Thursday, I drive through McDonald's. I'm not rich like all of you. I can't go to Starbucks and get those fluffy drinks. I got to go for the Buck Nine special, which I really do prefer their coffee. Don't tell anybody. Uh, McDonald's. But uh, so I drive through, and this girl, she's in there almost every day that I go in there. She looks at me on Thursday. It's been a tough couple of weeks for me, and she looks at me and she goes, that is a great-looking shirt on you. Vibrant colors. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for your kindness. That was really sweet of you, honey. I appreciate that. Friday, I walk into the Friday men's group. Go in there. There's this box of Seize Candy gold-packaged truffles. It's in this one spot. Nobody's sitting there. I walk in. I presume this is my spot. Kindness made my morning. Yesterday, I was getting it last night, yesterday evening. I had a busy day yesterday. I was, went and got a haircut. I'm just sitting there. Click, click, click. All of a sudden, there's a voice over here. This gal, she's getting her nails done. She goes, my, that's just a beautiful silver sheen over there. Now, I'm not sure if that was kindness or, you know, a backhanded something else. But the point is, 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 is I go, you know, even if it's a bad haircut, I still feel good. You know, I got the silver sheen. And then I come into work this morning, and, and, and I got an email from a brother in, at, at Creekside, and he says, you know, I told you in our men's group I was going to get you this Bible. He was telling me about it. And he never said he was going to get it. He was just telling me about it. And I said, well, that sounds great. I'd love to see yours and blah, blah, blah. So he sends me this email and he goes, hey, PT, I just want you to know, I got you this Bible. I told you I was going to do it. And I go, whoa. And then at the last part, he's listing off. He's saying, you know something, I'm older than you, but I just want you to know how much it's ministered our last couple of years at Creekside. And we've grown so much. And you're a spiritual father, blah, blah, blah. And I go, wow, okay, I'm ready for service. Do you realize how important that is for just these little simple acts of gracious kindness to speak into somebody's life, how powerful they are? You can do that. Mother Teresa said, let no one ever come to you without leaving you better and happier. Be the living expression of God's kindness, kindness in your face, kindness in your eyes, kindness in your smile, kindness in your touch. Jesus said it this way, that how, that when you are kind to the least of these and the lowest of societies, you're really being kind to me, and the Father who sees it will reward you. And I believe that when you give kindness, it always comes back. It's like this boomerang effect. So you want to build it? How do you do it? How do you get patience? You know how you get patience? You go through it. You go through impatient times and learn how to do it. Here's how to grow your kindness, loved ones, is you go and you deal and put yourself into potentially unkind situations where you choose to be kind. 
and you'll see how much easier it is to be kind. And then you get up in the morning and you say, Lord, I'm going to be kind and tender-hearted toward the people around me. And everywhere you go, you begin to say, Lord, I want to show kindness to this person because they're of yours. They're, they're valued by you. And that's how you do it. Let's get to level three really quickly. This is the graduate work. This is the industrial strength. It's out of this world kindness. But here is where it comes from. This person up here at level three, they are so fully aware of God's kindness toward them that they can't help but say, I've got to find someone to be kindness, kind to. I've got to be assertive. I've got to go make this happen. The story is in 2 Samuel chapter 9. David, he, in, in chapter 7, he's sitting in his palace. He's got peace around him. He's got all this peace around him. And he says, I've got to do something for God because he's been so good to me. And so as he is, as this goodness is just overtaking him, God's goodness and grace toward him, he, he looks around and says, I'm going to build a house for God. And God says, no, you're not going to do that. Your son's going to. And, God, and, and David says, okay, good, that's fine. I can live with that. You're a great God. I love you and praise you. And then a couple of chapters later, we don't know exactly how much time later, but we see him, and he's sitting there again, and the, 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 he's overcome with God's goodness and kindness toward him. And he turns to one of his advisors and says, tell me, somebody who needs kindness, is there someone that needs kindness? And he goes, yeah, I think there is. He goes, there's a guy, his name is Mephibosheth. As a matter of fact, you would know him because you knew his father. As a matter of fact, his father was your best friend. Remember Jonathan who got killed in the battle? Well, when he was younger and trying to escape with the nurse, the nurse dropped him and his feet were crippled. And he said, but don't worry about him. David, what? What do you mean? Yeah, 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 he's a cripple, he's poor. You don't want to mess with him. And besides this, David, you know, one, one of the things that kings would do back then is when they took over for another king, they would exterminate and, and, and remove all vestiges of their family so they would never have to worry about an insurrection or, or people turning on them and building another army to usurp the throne that they had taken and followed from the other father. And so you can just imagine, hey, listen, don't mess with this guy. Let, let, you know, let sleeping dogs lie. David says, no, 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 you go get him. Bring him here. So they go bring him Mephibosheth. He's this crippled, poor guy. And David says, and he's afraid that David's going to kill him, pinch his head off because of who he is. He's a descendant. He's the grandson of Saul. So brings him in. What does David do? He looks at him. He says, listen, you got, I'm going to give you property, and you're going to eat at my table with my family every night. That's high-level kindness. See, that's what we're called to do, friends, is where do we grow and where do we find more areas to really show high-level kindness to the hurt, to the needy, to the poor, to the crippled. David says, get him and bring him here. I love this because as a church, we do this. Many of you know that. We give to our harvest offering. We do the crab feed. And you know what we do? We give. We show kindness. That's why we call it our AOK ministry, Acts of Kindness. And we give to so many things across the city, into the nation, and our world. I was in downtown Martinez last week running some errands for some things, and I just went in to meet some of the local proprietors to buy some things for something coming up. Everyone I went to, four out of five, 
well, what are you doing this for? And, and who, you know, who are you? And I said, well, I don't tell anybody I'm the pastor unless they ask. I just say, I go to Creekside Church. And uh, they always, you know, four out of five people said this. It's so impressive what you do for the community. We're so thankful. Thank you. See, it's kind of like our, our kindness is kind of a sounding, blaring horn that goes into our community. I went to a golf tournament, a fundraiser for John Sweat kids at their school on Friday and played. And it was amazing to me that um, uh, we had two groups in and we played. And we get up to this hole where we have our Creekside sign. And again, I don't tell anybody who I am. And one of the guys go, yeah, we're, we're from Creekside. Blah, blah, blah. That's our sign. And... So they go, oh, whoa, whoa, you know, and then all of a sudden one of the guys, well, there's the pastor, and I go, oh, great. But, uh, so, so, but the lady comes up to me, and she goes, I just, you guys are incredible what you do, and blah, blah, blah. Now, hear me. You, you, know, it's, you know, it's interesting, don't you? None of those people have ever been to a service here. They've been to crab feeds. They've been to other activities, but they've never been to a service. Why do we call it A-O? Okay, acts of kindness, because this is what I know. They hear about us. They know about us. They're aware of us. And if they do decide to go to church, if they don't already go to church, where do you think they'll go? Because it's the kindness of our lives. We don't ask for anything. We just simply give and serve. Got to be done. Here's the last thing. See, we do all this, this kindness flows out of our heart and our life because we live within the kindness of God. We live within the kindness of Christ. We live within the kind embrace of Jesus Christ. It's the kindness of God that's been expressed to us. Romans 2, 4 says this. Or do you despise the riches of his kindness and his restraint and his patience, not recognize you that God's kindness is intended to lead you to him and to repentance. That's the reason we do what we do as a church. It's because we're trying to build a bridge. We're trying to establish a path where people can see Jesus because of the kindness of his people. You know, I think people love Jesus. I think people would come to Jesus, but then they look over his shoulder and what do they see? Us. And if we're not kind, and we're not loving, we're not generous. We're not giving. The, 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 the truth and the illustration of who Jesus is gets totally lost. And that's not, listen, that's not a, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just saying that's the issue that the church deals with. For many of us, we've heard about Jesus Christ. Was it the sermon that changed our life? No, for most of us, if you're like me, it's all of a sudden I realized when I was 18 years old, I had this pile of sin in my life. I had this, this whole backlog of brokenness that I couldn't fix, and I didn't know how to deal with it. And I found out that Jesus loved me. And it was the kindness of God that led me to him. <laughs> 